Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. Today, we have a doubleheader. We're talking new Saints head coach, Dennis Allen, with former Saints linebacker, Scott Shanley, and then bringing in Sam Mills III to talk about the coming Pro Football Hall of Fame announcement and the possibility of his father being inducted. Former Saints defensive coordinator Dennis Allen was named the Saints' new head coach on Tuesday. Allen has been a member of the New Orleans Saints coaching staff for 12 seasons, first from 2006 to 2010, then returning in 2015 as a defensive coordinator. Allen's defenses have ranked in the top 10 in yards per game and in the top 5 in opponent points per game each of the past two seasons. Former Saints linebacker Scott Shanley played under Allen from 2006 to 2010. Here's our conversation. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. Big week for the Saints, obviously, as they announced their new head coach in Dennis Allen, somebody that you're very familiar with. But how are you doing? I'm doing good. I know you're probably excited about the news, somebody that you played for. What was it like playing for Coach Allen at that point? Yeah, you're right. We uh, we as former players, I know we're in a, a group of guys who are pretty excited about having Dennis be the next head coach in New Orleans Saints. Certainly deserving when you look at what he's done just in the past five years. But going back to when he got there in 2006, he started off as an assistant defensive line coach and really worked his way up the ranks really fast. And that doesn't happen by accident in the NFL. We could tell when he was a young coach, even when he was assistant defensive line coach, that there was something special with Dennis. He, he eventually became our secondary coach, helped us win a world championship, coached Roman Harper, Tracy Porter, uh, Jabari Durr, guys like that to some of their best years in their career. So we knew when Dennis would stand in front of our room, even back then in those years, that he there was a special quality to him, that when he spoke, everybody listened. You were glued, hung on every word he said. You just got a great knack for, for connecting with men and teaching the game of football. When you look at what he was able to do defensively at that time in lesser roles than he has been in recently as a defensive coordinator, what really stood out to you about just how he saw the game and how he was able to relay it? Well, he has a tireless work ethic. That, that's first and foremost. Anytime we were doing a game plan, putting together something, and uh, Dennis would stand before our room and speak about the, the coverages or the, t- the pass plays we were going to go against that week, we always felt like we had an unfair advantage because of his tireless work effort. I mean, he, he turned over every rock, every stone to make sure we found every edge we could get. And those were the little things that he did. You could tell he was passionate about the game. We loved his personality. Uh, you know, he, he jokingly said in his press conference, he won't be, you won't see him dancing like coach Payton. There is a difference. There is a difference in their personalities. It's going to take a big win to get Dennis to dance in the locker room, but players love him because, and I think he alluded to this as well in his press conference. He only knows to be him and players respect coaches who don't try to be something they're not. And I think that's one thing that guys always respected about Dennis was he is who he is and he's passionate about the game and he knows how to connect with guys and teach the game of football to get the best out of them. Scott, how is he as a, as a play caller? Because, you know, one of the things he, he also reiterated was that, you know, it's not what you call it's, it's, you know, how you do it, you know, it's basically it's how you execute it. You know, it doesn't really matter what you call if you don't execute it properly, but what is he as a play caller? Because he seems to be a fairly aggressive guy. Yeah, he he absolutely is. And I think, you know, we, as, as former players, the, the, the time that Greg Williams was there from nine, 10, 11, we see so much of that carry over into the play calling, the formations you get defensively, the blitzes you get defensively, the scheme, tons of man pressure. We were the same way when we, we played under Greg. So I think Greg had a huge influence on the way Dennis runs defenses. But the one thing I love about Dennis is 
he is going to find a way to put guys on the field who can make plays. He's not just going to go out there with a 4-3 defense or a 3-4 defense or just a nickel defense. You're going to see packages in and off the field, much like an offense does to gain advantages. He's going to out-package you, your personnel, put guys in position. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is a great example. He puts him in position to make plays, take advantage of his skill set. And I think that's what separates Dennis from a lot of defense coordinators is he knows how to get guys in position to, to accentuate their abilities. Did you see a, a quote unquote head coach in him originally? I mean, sometimes you can kind of see a guy and you say, well, you know, he, he might be a head coach one day. And sometimes some guys, it's maybe a little bit more definitive. Did you see that in him originally? Originally, no. We were all impressed with him. Like I said, going back all the way to 06, you're an yeah. assistant defensive <laughs> yeah. line coach. You know, you don't get a chance to, to stand in front of the room much and talk. But I'll tell you what, when Greg became the defensive coordinator and he would have the position coaches break down their aspects of the game that week, and Dennis was in charge of the pass game, I'm telling you, when he stood in front of our room and talked and addressed the defense – you certainly thought, man, this guy is going to be a defense coordinator someday. And you could see him as a head coach because he just had that ability. Much like Coach Payton, when he stood in front of the room, all eyes were on him. Nobody was talking. You hung on every word because you felt like it was going to give you an unfair advantage that week against your opponent. And so I think when Greg started – or sorry, when Greg allowed Dennis to talk in front of our room more, you could really see that this guy's different. He's different than the rest of the assistant coaches. And, and so it doesn't really surprise me that he, he ascended as fast as he did and became a head coach just a couple of years later. And even as we see him making some, some, you know, adjustments in, in his staff, how important is it to have the continuity from the top? Because he understands the program. He understands the expectations. Uh, he's been in new Orleans for five straight winning seasons uh, for those playoff seasons. How important is that to maintain that, continue content, continuity at the top? Well, I, I certainly think it was a huge factor in, in Dennis getting a job. And it's not because he's not a great coach. He is an outstanding defensive coach. He, he's going to be a great head coach. But I think the continuity part was a big reason for the Saints to, to say, you know, Dennis is our best option. And to have continuity amongst coaches, to know what the expectation level is, every single day when you walk in the building, you know what it looks like, it feels like, it tastes like. You already know, and you don't have to start over from square one. You don't have to get to know the front office. You don't have to get to know the scouting department. And I think from that aspect, it's going to be a seamless transition. Sure, you know, Dennis is going to make some changes to his staff. He's going to bring some guys in that maybe Sean didn't have there. There's going to be a little bit of turning over. But as far as the expectations and what the culture already feels like, it's going to be a seamless transition, and I'm looking forward to that, taking off and winning a lot of games. Scott, is it important to have a coach um, who is like Dennis when it, in terms of defense? He said, you know, he, he doesn't mind those guys, you know, celebrating big plays. He, he actually, you know, I think he endorses that. Is it important to have a head coach or, you know, to, to be kind of all in that way um, and, and allow guys to express themselves when they do well, allow guys to, to have a little bit of fun? Oh, absolutely. And because it's an emotional game. It really is. It's a big, it's a kid's game. You've got a bunch of big kids playing it. And if you're not having fun and you can't express those emotions and it's not certain guys celebrate differently. Some guy Chauncey gets in guys face and talks. That's how he elevates his play and guys around him love it. So I love that. And Chauncey's a perfect example because Dennis has, has allowed him to be him. And he's, he's, he's excelled in that role. You know, the talking and getting in guys face. He's playing some of his best football. And I love that Dennis never took that out of him or coached that out of him. But the one thing I'm sure he says in the room all the time, and he'll say it to the team now instead of just the defense, is we want you to live on the edge and play on the edge a little bit. 
but don't hurt the team. Know where that towing the line is. We want you to go right up to the line, have fun, celebrate, get in guys' faces, but don't hurt the team. Don't get personal fouls. Don't get penalties and things like that. So that is one thing that, that players love about Dennis is he's going to let you tow that line and have fun and, and, and play the game with emotion. Now, we've got a decent idea of what he wants defensively. Uh, what do you think he wants offensively? I think one of the things he mentioned was, you know, you know, you play physical. Uh, he wants to run the ball, I think, a little bit more efficiently and those kinds of things. What are your expectations offensively from him? Yeah, I think you're going to see more more concepts in the running game than maybe we've seen. And, you know, we went from a transition. Now, if you get a guy like a, a Drew Brees or you have a Brady or an Aaron Rodgers, things like that, you're obviously going to let them put the ball up in the air. So some of the offensive scheme will, will be determined by who's playing the quarterback position. But I think anytime you have a defensive-minded coach, defensive-minded coaches like to play complementary football. They believe in all three phases of the game. They believe in the offense. You heard him talk about in the press conference. Don't turn the ball over. Stay ahead of the chains. No negative plays. And that's kind of a defensive coach's mindset is play complementary football. Don't put our team in bad positions. And you can win a lot of games. And it's really what the Bengals have done all through the, throughout the playoffs and now are in the Super Bowl. Don't have negative plays and hurt your team. And I think you're going to see – I don't want to call it conservative because I think you can run the ball and take shots to set up, set up the play action deep shots with the running games. So I think you could see that aspect in the offense. You mentioned the difference in personalities between – Sean Payton and Dennis Allen. What are some of the things that we're going to start to see that will be different because of that? Well, you know, a lot of people ask me about the clip. There's a clip of Dennis running down the sideline. I don't remember what game. It was a big win. And he kind of got on, on Sean and was shaking him and pushing him around. And when you get that out of Dennis, that's a lot of emotion. He doesn't show that. And I think you're going to see that. I think this team is set up with a lot of talent. I think they're still going to win a lot of games. I think you're going to see a more motion like that come out of Dennis. He's, he's more stoic and he's reserved and he's kind of got tunnel vision. But I think now that he's the leader of the team and he's just not coordinating a defense, he's going to allow that emotion to come out more and have the team feel, feed off of that. He was subtly kind of funny during his press conference. There are some moments there. So hopefully we see some of that come out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, everybody kind of takes Dennis as, as serious all the time. And he is serious. When it's time to work, it's time to work. But there, there is a lot of joking around. There is a lot of cracking jokes back and forth at one another. And he's quick. We've tried. When he was a younger coach, and it was Vegeta and I, and we were the veterans, and we would try to go pick on the younger coaches, he's quick. So you got to be careful with what you say to them. <laughs> you mentioned some of the other players that you guys have been talking about, being excited about this opportunity for Coach Allen and the future here. What are some of the things that you guys have discussed and, and how excited is kind of the former Saints players? Oh, oh, we're ecstatic. I mean, we obviously understood the, the job that Mickey and the front office had to do and evaluating this position. It's been 16 years since they've interviewed. So you have to go out there. They, they conduct an extensive, extensive search, interview some really great candidates. But like I said, when you have kind of Sean Payton leaves the building, leaves the blueprint on the desk, the, the next best guy to pick that up is probably Dennis Allen, because the culture in New Orleans is so good. And uh, I think that's what makes us so proud as former guy, former former players, is we all love Dennis. We love playing for him, but we love the organization because of how they treat the people. From mm -hmm. Mrs. Benson all the way down, it feels like a family every time you go back. And as former players, selfishly, we didn't want to lose that. We wanted to keep it in the family, and so everybody is is super excited that Dennis is now the head coach of the Saints. So you still get a key to the practice facility and stuff, right? That's what you wanted to ensure. <laughs> that yeah yeah. Roman Harper mentioned that he's like. 
we need Dennis to be the coach so I can still get the VIP access. So I said, Harp, you're in the Saints Hall of Fame. I think you'd be good no matter what. <laughs> yeah. And now that you're on the other side of things, covering the team as an analyst, doing some work on TV, how do you kind of see the situation from maybe a different side? Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, like I said, I think I think the winning attitude, I think if you ask every player in that locker room if they were excited that Dennis was in the head coach, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that's not excited about having him take over that role. I think, number one, that's a huge step forward. But a lot of my analyst role around this team is going to pick up here in the next few months with, with rosters, with contracts, with free agency, with acquisitions of certain players. I think you're going to see a lot of new faces. There's going to be some faces that we don't get to see on the team, and it's not going to be because they're not great players. It's probably because they're too good of players and other teams are going to want them. So when you have success and you have great culture, teams come after your guys. So it's going to be an interesting year. There will be probably new faces in different places, new head coach stand on the sideline, but I think it's kind of refreshing and exciting. There's a tease right there of what's to come. I know it's not going <laughs> to – get any less exciting around here. It's been busy even with the postseason or the offseason for the Saints. So we're we're getting ready for the Super Bowl just to watch as fans and then getting ready for yeah what the actual offseason is going to be like for the Saints. Yeah, we're I'm excited. As an analyst, a fan, former player, I think this offseason is going to be a lot of fun to track the Saints. And uh I there's there's no reason not to be optimistic. I think this team's going to win a lot of games. They're going to be a competitive team. They have great leadership in the locker room. Now they have great leadership at the head coaching spot again. So that's that's all you can ask for in this game. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate all the insight. And it's good catching up. I'm sure we'll hear from you again soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks to Scott for joining us. Now let's bring in Sam Mills III, who is the son of former Saints linebacker Sam Mills. Sam, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast this week. It's great having you. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. I know I noticed right when we logged in that you're you got your Washington football team hat on you're repping a different squad now recently had been coaching with the Panthers but where are you at right now in your coaching career so yeah so I am uh, the defensive line coach for the Washington commanders now um, continuing my work with Ron Rivera and his staff so uh, it's been a fun journey so far but growing up you had to have watched your dad being playing for the Saints Oh, I'm, I grew up a humongous Saints fan. I mean, every weekend, every game. Um, and then at the point where I started working for the Carolina Panthers, uh, we had a great rivalry going, um, you know, competing against those good teams, Drew Brees and Sean Payton and those guys. Uh, but then it felt good when I went to Washington and not being in the same division as the Saints. So I could watch their games without um, wishing bad against their record. <laughs> Growing up, as you said, a huge Saints fan, watching your dad play. What do you remember from his time with this organization? I, re I remember good defense, you know, mm -hmm. first and foremost. Um, I remember really good defense. I remember good special teams, Morton Anderson kicking, um, tight games. And then you remember the teams that came into that dome during that time. So, you know, the 49ers and the Rams at the time, um, just really good competition and our defense stepping up to the challenge. There's a lot of things that your dad did on the field so well. He's a part of the Dome Patrol, as you mentioned, that great defense. And then he, you know, plays nine seasons. He's three-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, and now, again, up for a Hall of Fame nomination. 
kind of being able to look back at all the accolades of his career, what stands out to you about what he was able to accomplish? Um, probably a, a couple different stages. Number one, um, you know, finding your groove, finding where you fit in. Uh, a lot of guys come into this league and some make it and some don't. And the guys that don't make it aren't always bad football players. It's just not finding the right place for you. Um, so the first part of that was him finding the right place for him. And then that defense meshing together and, um, you know, him becoming a, uh, a captain type player a leader type player. And not only that team, but also when he left and went to another team. And so you could see kind of, okay, same type of situation. You know, it started with the stars uh, in the USFL. It came to New Orleans and then it eventually ended in Carolina. Um, but you start to see the pattern and the pattern of leadership, um, the pattern of wanting to win, the pattern of growing a defense from the start. Um, so it, it was fun to watch growing up, and you didn't truly understand what it was until you maybe you got older and you looked back and you saw the different personalities blending together and working together for one goal. You mentioned the USFL, and he played under Coach Jim Moore there. And at that time, you know, Coach Moore, I made uh, – you know, the comment that your dad was a little too short for his position and right. maybe didn't seem like he fit in, but he overcame right. all of that. What is it about your dad and his work ethic that allowed him to kind of overcome some of the, the outsiders commentary? So, yeah, I think going into um, most situations in life, we have a, an image, a picture of what we think something should look like. Mm -hmm. And I think for years, the NFL had that image of a bigger linebacker, right? So um, when he did get his opportunity and when everything checks off, everything checks off except the size, you don't want to believe it. And you don't want to believe it. And you keep going and every day and every day. And it's, it's starting to come true that, okay, this is a good football player despite the size. And I think he always felt that. I think my father always knew that it was just a matter of getting others to see it and believe it. And I, I think that was part of his, um, his work ethic every day of, Eventually, you will see it. I just got to keep working. He dubbed the keep pounding moniker that the Carolina Panthers use. It's kind of the same sentiment there is the keep working regardless of the situation. How did you see that embodied as he was battling cancer in the later part of his life? Um, so first and foremost, just um, when he got diagnosed, just continuing to go back to work every day. Um, coaching is very, very strenuous on the body. And to see him going through chemo, yet still going and working and, and doing his part on the coaching staff at the time, I already knew that was taxing. And then as he got uh, more and more ill throughout the process, you know, just everyday things we take for granted became more and more difficult for him. But to see him, you know, continue to try to fight through to, to basically carry his weight in everything he did, um, that, that just screamed the whole keep pounding feeling and lifestyle. He was alive and able to come to a lot of the ceremonies and the, the Hall of Fame for the Saints. A lot of these things that he earned, um, he was able to participate in. This one this week being the, the Hall of Fame for the National Football League. What do you think that would mean to him or where do you think that that would stack up? I think it would be a great honor because I think it would, um, would kind of end the football journey. You know, um, the, the football journey starts different for everyone. For him, it started as a kid playing in the streets, you know, as a young kid, 
um, moving on to high school at Long Branch High School, moving on to college at Montclair State and thinking it was potentially over and then moving on from USFL and then finally getting his chance in New Orleans and um, ending his career in Carolina, getting into coaching. I think if he were to get in, it would it would finally put that last bow on his career of you kept pounding, you kept fighting and look where it got you and you can rest now. How would you feel about it? Um, you know, it's funny being young and watching the games. I knew, okay, my dad plays football, but I didn't know how good he was. <laughs> it was just like, okay, he's a little guy out there, but that's his dad. You know, hopefully he'll want to throw the ball later or something. Um, not until I was getting older and learning the game um, did I look at him a certain way. And then as a leader of men and a teacher to men now and understanding the leadership that he brought to those teams, it means a lot more to me now. It, it, it means a lot more knowing you have almost like another coach on the field. And um, I, I just think it would be a great honor and I appreciate people who love the game. I appreciate people who give back to the game. And he did that. Speaking of giving back to the game, he obviously inspired in you uh, the love for football and wanting to be a part of the game. What was it about your dad and his relationship with the game that you wanted to follow in his footsteps, go to Montclair and then also coach? Well, I did not want to follow his footsteps because he wasn't cool <laughs> enough. Okay. I wanted to be like the cool player. So, you know, I like, Deion Sanders and Barry Sanders and those guys. So my father was just, he was the ball guy that wore glasses to me, okay? He wasn't the cool player. Um, but what happens is when you're around the game that much and you're around guys and the competition, so we had competition in the family, you know, we'd have bowling nights and everything was a competition. Who can name what company this commercial is about? I mean, it's, it's just, everything is a competition. And when you grow up around that, it's just in you and you become a part of it and you you look for, you know, uh, ways to be able to compete. And I think that's what I gained from growing up around those guys. So it wasn't just my father that I was looking at. <laughs> yeah. After you played in college, you immediately went in to start your coaching career. How did you navigate that and what did you learn from your dad along that way? Um, so it was, it was funny, you know, like I said, coaching is taxing. And when I was a young guy coming into this league and I was, you know, eager to do whatever I could do to get my foot in the door and help out. And there's days where you're going to feel worn down and feel tired, but I can always, I would look at him. And I'm like, well, he's going through chemo and he's doing more than I'm doing. So I'm pretty sure I can get up and go to work. <laughs> Um, so it, it was a fight that I saw in him that made my job easier, you know, to be honest with you, because I knew what he was going through. And then, um, you know, those, those those were fun teams to be around, teams with good leadership um, and just a, a group that you wanted to go to work with every day. You spent a lot of time in the NFL in your 18th year coaching. Is that right? Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. You start so, to lose count after a while. <laughs> you've been around the game a, a very long time, just like your father was. How have you seen it change? Um, I, I think from the, the player side of things, I think they are uh, they're more aware. The players are more aware today, I think. Um, 
I think socially they're more aware. I think um, health-wise, I think they're more aware. They take care of their bodies even more just because they realize their body is, is their, um, their engine and you know they got to fine tune it at all times. Um, and I think they are starting to understand the history and give back to the history of this game. Their, their charitable you know, events that they do are amazing. So I, I think I've been around the league, but I've got to see them grow. And just like the past generation grew, you know, from those guys before them. So it's just been fun to watch the young guys come in and, and um, you know, they have so much access to information. Mm-hmm. So they can look back at everything and they're trying to do it better, um, more efficient. Um, now, as a coach, we, uh, <laughs> we fight against that sometimes as far <laughs> as, you know, less is not always better. But it, it's, it's been fun to see um, the youth kind of exchange, even with coaching, you know, the youth movement. Um, so it, it's been fun to see this league grow because I grew up watching, you know, the Jim Morris of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting now when I see the younger coaches having the influence. You mentioned that some of these players have learned about the past and, and who came before them. Anybody ever bring up your dad to you? Um, yeah. So my, my current players, because obviously I'm not, you know, he played linebacker. I coach defensive line. There's not a ton of crossover there. Mm-hmm. So I don't really talk about his playing days with them. So every now and then when they'll catch something on TV or they'll come up to me and kind of ask me like, Hey man, your dad was an all pro or your dad <laughs> did this, or he played with this guy. And, you know, if they ask for the information, I'll give it to them. But it's pretty funny that sometimes they don't even put the two and two together. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure when it, like the news came out in December about your dad being a finalist again for the NFL hall of fame induction that's coming up this week, I, I'm sure it kind of raised a few eyebrows. Like that's the same name as you. And, and yeah. did, did you yeah. play? So they'll start to ask <laughs> questions. They'll start to ask questions. And then sometimes they may see a conversation happen between myself, um, Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera, who were mm-hmm. also linebackers in the league around that same time. So when they start putting all that together, then they, they figure it out. What are some of the things that Coach Rivera and Jack Daria have, have told you about your dad that they remember? Um, you know, it's funny. They talk about the defense as a whole. And here's why. Uh, Ron is a member of the 85 Bears, okay, mm-hmm. which is the highest level of defense in the NFL history, right? Well, Jack Daria is a member of the 2001 Ravens, which is right there also. So when they talk about all those those two groups and then they add in the Dome Patrol, mm-hmm. it becomes an interesting conversation. It really does. I bet. What about what are some of the stories that your dad would tell over and over again, or some of the games that he would speak of, or people? So he hung out with um, he hung out with Von Johnson a lot. They were roommates. Okay, so I remember as a kid always walking in the room and Von Johnson ordered a lot of room service. I always remember <laughs> that. So I always knew I was going to have good snacks if I went to the room. Um, but then <clears throat> I, I know he was always like a stickler on being on time. Like if he had to be at a hotel at seven o'clock, we were leaving the house at 530 just because he couldn't be late. So I learned at a young age of just being punctual and being reliable and accountable. So that was always going on. But then while that's going on, as I'm looking around and Okay, well, I see this guy running in the hotel last second. So, all right, <laughs> this is a younger guy. So, 
because my father was older, I got to see the league from a kind of a little bit of a different perspective. Um, so it was, it was interesting. And then as I got older, I was closer to his teammates age than he was. <laughs> so, you know, I remember one time I did something being a young knucklehead and my father said, Hey, you do realize I'm around guys like you all day. Can't do that. Yeah. And it started to make me realize like, yeah, he really is around young guys all day him being an older guy, you know? Yeah. I'm sure that gives you a different appreciation for things now too. Being, oh, yeah. As being an older coach and being around the league a lot. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I look at the young guys and, and, you know, I try to tell them, Hey, you're going to make mistakes, right? We know this is going to happen, but you got to learn from not only your mistakes, but the other people's mistakes. So you can't make all the mistakes, but learn from your own and learn from others. Um, and, you know, it's a big, you got to connect with them and let them know that there's been guys before you who have done this. We're here to support you. We're here to help you. Um, we can help you navigate the way, um, but you're also going to have to have to navigate it yourself, but here's the guidelines to do it. And you do have a great support system. I know you've got close ties to the Panthers and your dad's time there. You obviously spent an extensive amount of time there as well. Um, but obviously this is the Saints podcast. So I got to know, like, what's your favorite New Orleans Saints memory of your dad? Ooh, um, that's a good question. The Saints memories. Um, I do remember them playing Bo Jackson one year and I was very, very nervous because I knew Bo was really, really good. Mm -hmm. I think Bo might have ran the ball about four times and then he pulled a hamstring. <laughs> and I was really happy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but some of my memories, like, some of, some of them aren't great. I remember always hating the NFL scheduling because they would schedule Joe Montana and the 49ers on a Monday night, and I was not allowed to go to Monday night football games because of school. Um, I remember how good the Rams were at scoring. I do remember, I do remember being so loud in a dome one time that the referee stopped the game and almost asked the fans to not be that loud. I think the guys were waving towels on the sideline and the referee was like, hey, can you guys not do that? It was that loud. Um, so I, I have great dome memories, like just being a kid, being in the dome of just the mayhem the fans would create in there. Being there during that time when they really had it rocking in there, that the atmosphere was unlike anywhere that you've ever watched a game in. Yeah, I mean, outside of a college venue, that's one of the loudest places. Um, yeah, that's one of the loudest places I've been in where it's just deafening and it's offensive struggle. I appreciate the time that you're able to spend with us kind of talking a little bit about your dad, his time with the Saints and where you've been at in your career and what you've been able to learn from him along the way. Great conversation. Well, thank you Sam. for having Hoping me, guys. to hear his father's name as an inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame tonight during the NFL Honors Show. That's on ABC starting at 9 o'clock. Before we wrap this up, if you have pest or termite problems, look no further than Terminix, locally owned for over 70 years. They have effective solutions that will help to eliminate pest problems throughout the year. Their custom treatments adapt to the season to address seasonal pest activity to protect your home and business all year long. They provide residential and commercial pest and termite control services for the South Shore, North Shore, and River Parishes of Louisiana. Protect your home with Terminix. 
All right, Saints fans, thanks for listening. Talk to you on the New Orleans Saints podcast, where you can find it on neworleansaints.com or on Apple iTunes again next week.